Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. So I was reading this story the other day, and it struck me that this must not be all that unusual. And then at the same time, I have not really heard of this happening before. Here's the story. There was a couple from Brampton that decided to buy a house in Hamilton. And the house had been listed here for 469900 so 470000 This couple from Brampton, who probably is, I guess, I'm assuming, more used to the very, very competitive Toronto housing market, comes in and offers 565, almost 100,000 more above asking with no conditions. Boom, the house owner, obviously, I mean, uh, they weren't nuts. They see this price, they go, yeah, okay, done, sold. They take it. Trouble is, soon as this deal went through, the housing market began to cool. Actually, it cooled very suddenly. And suddenly, the couple from Brampton who had bought this new house discovered they could not sell their home. Couldn't complete the deal. Deal was deal fell apart. They were sued and they lost. Well, let me bring in Rob Golfie. You know Rob Golfie. He's a uh, well-known local real estate agent. Has a show here on 900 CHML Saturday mornings. In fact, on the way in this evening, I drove by a giant billboard of his face on Aberdeen. <laughs> um, Rob, this has got to happen more than we think, doesn't it? That somebody buys a house on a, thinking they're going to sell their own place and then get stuck holding the bag? Yes, it, uh, and it's happening more so now with uh, builders. Uh, what's happening, uh, like, so last year, uh, people have bought, and they bought at a high price, and then uh, they took a long closing. and said, okay, we'll put our house up for sale, um, you know, later in the spring or even in the summer. So now they bought at a high price, and their, and their house is at a lower price now uh, for selling, and they expected to get maybe a hundred thousand dollars more. Mm. Now a lot of a lot of things uh, they either can't sell their house or um, they they thought they would get more money. So now qualifying, so now they're 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 going to be even more in debt uh, buying the house because they bought high and sold and sold low. And what's happening now with builders? So um, you know how sometimes some surveys take eighteen months to two years before they start develop like start digging and everything so uh especially there's one uh cache in uh beamsville they sold that subdivision uh, uh early last year <clears throat> and it's going to be ready i think uh uh next year and um and what's happening is that they sold at a high price the the the, the builders and now the people are selling their houses a year and a half later and they're not getting what they thought they were going to get for their house because they based their sale price on their house based on spring of 2017. And now next year in 2019, um, their house is, you know, worth a hundred, 150,000 less and they paid 150 to $200,000 more for the property. So they've got some major issues. A lot of people, um, the builders are, you know, I, they don't care. They just want their uh, money, and that's why they get big deposits. Um, and but people will still walk away because they're moving into a house that that is worth less than what they paid for, and and it, and it is a big struggle. How, it, it is, Rob. How often are we seeing people? Because again, I, I think this must happen often. When I went to the bank years ago to get a mortgage, to get approved for a mortgage. I almost fell out of my chair when they told me what amount of money they would give me. I thought they were nuts. I mean, honestly, they were the, the, the amount was so much higher than I thought it would be. And I have to believe there are people who go to get qualified 
hear what they're allowed to get and then say, well, sure, I can buy a bigger house then than I was planning on. And I got to believe a number of people do that, which then would put this situation in real troublesome spot for them. Because now if you're not getting 100000 that you thought on your house, that's not just, well, 100000 extra I've got to apply to the mortgage. That's 100000 that I can't get now because I've tapped out on the max on my mortgage. That's right. And, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's, people are, are going through some tough times right now. A lot of stress is happening. People are scared. They don't know what to do. And uh, I, I feel bad for these people that are going through that because it's, it's stress that they don't need. And, and, and it's sad that, you know, we had such a big spike in the market and then it just a big drop in, in such a short period of time. And, and it's affected a lot of people's lives. It, it, it's, it's not good. So it's, what do you uh, do? Tough. I, I, what do you do? Because there's there's, not, do you sell for, do you advise people then you should sell first, but the problem is then if you don't find something you like, you're stuck. Exactly. Uh, and, and we, and we just, uh, I just met up with somebody uh, last night and uh, they said, Rob, we want to find something first before we put it up for sale. So now they're just getting the house ready to make sure everything's all good. They're going to paint some rooms in the house, get some landscaping, you know, clean up some landscaping so that they're going to be, they're going to be ready when they do find something they can bang, just put it up for sale. But, um, but the proper way right now is the way the, the market is, um, definitely, you know, find something first because um, we're finding the market is, is quite cool right now, and uh, and it's hard to tell like what, where direct which direction it's going to go. Um, so you have to be, you know, it's very price conscious. The, the, it's very price sensitive market right now, and uh, don't go out and buy firm unless you can afford to, and and can support you know either two mortgages or whatever just in case. Uh, who can so do that? Prep. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't. Like, think about it. If you end up owning two houses and, and you're paying two mortgages, it could cost you ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars yeah. uh, just to carry it. So you could have done, you could have fixed up your new house that you're moving into with that money. And uh, believe me, it, it, it does become stressful. So you have to be very, very careful. If you, and especially if realtors, if they don't like, you know, there's a lot of realtors out there, and and, and the more active the realtor is, the more he's going to be in tuned with what the market is, and he'll be able to coach. Uh, his client in which direction and uh, how to go about in uh, with, with buying and selling process. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We were just talking about this situation where you, you, the agents have to help you read the market because you don't want to get stuck holding two mortgages. We know that can be disastrous for people. And now we're hearing, so we went through this incredible run of unbelievable housing prices and rises and, inf- and all raises and everything in the city, in this area. Then a sudden rapid cool off, like a flash freeze almost. And now we're seeing, we're hearing reports that not only are Hamilton's prices in houses beginning to rise faster than the rest of the country. But I'm seeing stories, surveys from agents and others saying, we expect this area specifically to have a huge surge in prices in the second half of the year. First of all, do you believe that's the case? Do you believe we're heading towards another huge increase? Um, I, I, I believe that the market is doing well. The house prices are climbing. Like, even though unit sales are down, but house prices have stayed strong and, and they are up. And, which is a good thing, but, but unit sales are down. And I don't know, I don't think it's going to be a huge as they expect, but I do, I do see housing prices still climbing. Uh, and it's, it's a good thing for, you know, the Hamilton Wentworth people that, that you know, the values, the equity is going to be there. Uh, it's just that, uh, but people are very selective 
in, in buying where, where they're buying and, and location, location is important now. Last year, it didn't matter about location, location. So if you had a, a really uh, a bad, ugly house that you wanted to sell, last year was the time to do it. You could Absolutely. just throw it up there and someone would buy it. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Well, this also comes at a time that we know that interest rates are beginning to nudge up, and I got to think. So you just you mentioned about if you're a, if you're a, an owner in this market that it's great for you. Your equity is going to be going up. What if you're trying to get in? We keep hearing the stories of the people trying to get into the market, and with the extra money you have to put on a down payment now, and now with interest rates going up, and now with prices going up, this got to be tough for a lot of people to get on that escalator. <laughs> It, it is, especially with the if, if they if they keep implementing that stress test. That means if interest rates go up, does the does the stress test go up? I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But but even though with interest rates climbing, um, uh, it's still uh, we're still low compared to in the last thirty years of of interest rates. Uh, but but we're so used to having such low interest rates that uh, that uh, that we're getting used to that. But uh, uh, but interest rates are going to climb, and they're going to climb even more next year. So I, I like I just met a client uh, the other day, and I said, "Did you get pre-approved?" Uh, actually, actually, it was uh, my uh, my niece's uh, my niece and and and, uh, and her boyfriend. They're going to get together. They're going to buy a house. And I said, "Did you guys get pre-approved?" And they go, "No." And I go, "Darn!" I go because uh, if they got pre-approved, they would have been locked in for 90 days on that uh, guaranteed interest rate. So now, because interest rates are higher, they got to get they got to get pre-approved at this rate now. Um, and I told them shop around because uh, there, there's still some uh, some good interest rates there. So and I tell and I tell them do not have them check your credit rating. Uh, just find out what they can do for you because you don't want to go to three different banks and all three do uh, check out your credit rating because that'll hurt your Beacon score because uh, you just want to go to the one. Uh, bank eventually say, okay, now you can check my credit rating, and then you get the mortgage with them. Um, but but uh, but th- you still can find good rates out there. You just got to shop around and let them know you're shopping around, and then they'll sharpen their pencil uh, more. But but yeah, it, again, you know what? Things are changing. The economy's changing. Interest rates are going up a little bit. We're still good uh, compared to what I I've been used to. I mean, in there in the in the 90s. I mean. Scott, you know, we were paying like 13, 14% yes. interest rates, yep, yep. and those are crazy days. Yeah, I, I am hearing, though, lots and lots of stories now where the situation, again, with the with the stress test and with the interest rates and everything else, that there are a lot more people who are trying to get in who are now relying on their family, on the largesse of their family to help them out, to give them a chunk of money to try and get in. That's... I mean, that's a really generous thing if a family wants to do that. But man, that's pressure on the family to make sure that you don't you don't leave mom and dad or grandma and grandpa hanging the holding the bag if something goes wrong. Yeah, I know, I know. But they need they need their family. There's no there's no other way. It's it. They just as time goes on, it's hard for these young people to save enough money for the down payment. So if you if you today have to save you know fifty thousand dollars. Five years may go by. In five years, that house is worth another two hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand. It's just, it's just a never. It, 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 they'll never catch up to that level. But if their family can help them out, uh, which is, which is great. And, and and I know a lot of people don't have that option. But if you can get your family family to help you out, it just, it just saves you a lot of uh, a lot of time and money because it, it, you can't save enough enough money to catch up to the market. It's just, it's just the market's going too fast. 
It is. Uh, it is. It's a. It's an interesting situation because again, I think every homeowner is loving any news that says the market is about to surge again, and every home buyer is going, "Oh, not again, <laughs> not again." Yeah, it's. Uh, I know. It's, I it's know. a tough one. Well, it's. It's either the best of times or the worst of times, I guess, depending on which side of the aisle you're on. I know you can't win. It just. It's. It just depends when. When you're looking and uh, and all that, but uh, but it's it's. But no matter what, if you own if you own real estate. You will, you will benefit, no doubt. You will benefit, and 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 time will catch up, and you're going to start building some equity, and then now you're in the market, yep. and yep. and you can relax and breathe, and and you're all set to go. Rob Golfie, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Scott. Have a have a great night. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Want to bring in? The star of nine, the real star of nine hundred CHML. His name is Rick Zamper, and thanks for coming in. Really, thanks that's for dropping a, by. Well, you know what? High praise. I remember watching a movie one time. What was it? Um, uh, that thing you do. Remember that Tom Hanks movie about the uh, the wonders? Uh, I've never seen. It. I've, I've know the title. Okay, I've never watched. It. And I always think of the line where he talks about the stars of the you know the, whatever the label was, the stars right. of the such and such galaxy. Well, you're one of the stars well, of the nine hundred CHML galaxy. You, Bill Kelly. I don't know if I can include Scott Thompson in there, but nonetheless, he, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> and certainly not Ted Michaels. Oh, oh man. Geez. Uh, but hey, Rick Zamperin is in here. I want to talk to you about this because this is All-Star Week in Major League mm-hmm. Baseball. They yeah. had the Home Run Derby last night. Uh, Bryce Harper puts on the perfect show, wins it at home, does a a bat flip that made Jose Bautista's <laughs> bat flip. Now, I know this wasn't a game and no one's going to buzz him high and hard, but yeah, yeah. this bat flip made Bautista's look amateurish. But the guy that you don't see... In the home run derby, you don't hardly see him anywhere. Is Mike Trout, mm-hmm. who is this generation's greatest player, undisputably, I think, yep. this generation's greatest player, are one of the greatest players of any generation. He plays in the West Coast with the Angels. We don't see this. Seems to me that Major League Baseball is somehow got a situation here where they are pardon the pun, but dropping the ball and having an unbelievable asset that nobody. Yeah. Unless you're in the West Coast, is exposed to. Yeah, he is, uh, as you said, undoubtedly the best player on the planet right now. He can retire today, and there would be an argument for him to go in the Hall of Fame. I know statistically he's probably not not there with you know the the you know the, the three thousand hits, yeah. yeah, and the five hundred, all that kind of stuff. But the talent, the five tool talent, he can hit for average, gets on base, can steal a base, plays great center field, uh, awesome arm, um, all that. Kind of, he has all the tools. But he's hidden away in in what is strangely a major market in Los Angeles. He plays for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, longest uh, you know <laughs> team name in in pro sports. But if you're Major League Baseball, you have to highlight these types of players, and they do, and they do a fine job with that in in the other major markets, whether it's with the Cubs or the Cardinals, the Yankees or the Red Sox. Those almost come naturally, but I think they have to go the extra mile because he's overshadowed by teams like the Dodgers and maybe even the Giants as well. Um, and you also have a time difference that they can't sure. do anything about, but he, people here are in bed when he plays. Yeah. The only time we really get to see him is if the Blue Jays are playing against the Angels, or if it's a prime time game, or if it's a playoff game, which the Angels haven't really been a part of you know, too often over the last, or in the Mike Trout era period. Um, 
Major League Baseball has to go above and beyond to showcase their best talent, and they are, as you mentioned, dropping the ball. What they do about it, other than splashing his face all over the place, putting him on video game, uh, you know, labels, um, you know, aside from that, they can't trade the guy. They can't force him to go play somewhere else. He likes where he is. He's got, uh, you know, an insular team. Mike Socha's a great manager, and obviously he's, uh, you know, producing under him. I think they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Can Major League Baseball flex its muscles with the Angels and say, you know what, I know that uh, you're on the West Coast. We want every possible game to be played, especially on weekends at 1 o'clock one Eastern. time. So you're not playing in the evening. And in, and during the week, we want at least one game a week that starts at 4, so it's prime time in yeah. the East. Because you've got the guy who is the game's best, and he is being lost. His best years, because I don't, has he finished any of his years lower than second in Major League, or in uh, MVP, MVP voting? Mode? I don't Ooh, think he has. I don't think so. He's, I mean, it's it's a guy that, I bet you that there's a lot of people, if you were if you were to walk down the streets of Hamilton, there would be a lot of people who would not recognize Mike Trout, yeah. and that just blows my mind. Yeah. And, I'm almost thinking about the era that he's in as well, because there's so much social media, there's so much exposure on athletes and people in general, that I would have thought that he would have been even blown up bigger, but he's not. I mean, you compare him to some of the superstars. Yeah, some of the superstars gone by, whether it's A-Rod or Ken Griffey Jr. or Derek Jeter or Barry Bonds, Jose Canseco, you know, those big boppers and big-time players of our era. Um, He's really underappreciated and kind of unrecognizable. Should baseball be pushing a guy like him, even though, I mean, it was odd that Bryce Harper actually competed in the home run derby yesterday, right. because generally it's not the biggest stars that go into this. Yeah. Like, oh, I, don't I think if it was up. somewhere else, though, he wouldn't have. I mean, given that it was Washington. That's right. You know, he is a home run hitter. He loves playing at that ballpark. His dad was pitching, you know, the balls to him last night. I think it, uh, if it was anywhere else, he, he wouldn't have been there. But should they be pushing Trout to be in these kinds of things yes. to say look I, I understand that it's home run it's it's gimmicky it's schlocky it's all those things but yeah. geez louise you've got to be front and center in this yeah. i i don't remember yesterday and i watched most of it i don't remember even seeing his face sitting no, in the not at all amongst the players no, no. i would have keyed i would have had him on the panel if you're the broadcaster anything you know highlight here's the best player in the game right now analyze this guy's swing or talk about you know your season or you know ups and downs of your uh, you know off-season regimen you know get the fan ingrained in all of what Mike Trout is about and you know if he's not going to participate that's fine I would love to see him I know he's been in the in, in the home run derby in the past but uh, has he I don't even remember I think he has I think three or four years ago I'm trying to remember right. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I remember him in the home run derby and he didn't do too well <laughs> from what I recall but even then it doesn't you know you it doesn't matter he's, he's just there this more than games, this is what I would be, believe teenagers, younger fans, millennials yeah. are watching. The yeah. home run derby is the event, and if you are hiding away your best guy, mm-hmm. man, I, I think baseball has just completely blown it with him. I think baseball has lost it, period, in terms of the home run derby, because you know, other than... Bryce Harper last night. I mean, are fans uh, gravitating to Kyle Schwarber? Are they going to Javier Baez, uh, Max Muncie? You know, and a guy who came out of nowhere with the Dodgers. I think they got to have the the Mookie Betts of the world, the J.D. Martinez, the Jose Ramirez, the guys who are hitting home runs and leading the league. Have them out there because right now, I mean, fans looking at the list thinking, I don't want to watch these guys. If you were to, I don't know if money means anything to these guys anymore, but if you, you know, they're certainly making dough off this home run. Derby. Oh yeah. If you were to say, look, every guy, we want the top eight stars of the game, yeah. and we'll give you either a million bucks to you or to your charity of right. your choice, what, however you want to do it, but you got to be in this. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, I just, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe that I saw no sign of Mike Trout yesterday in the one event that sells the game. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. So, Rick, we're talking about Mike Trout before the break. Baseball's greatest player right now. There was a news story that broke yesterday or the day before. I think it was yesterday about another great athlete. Now, I am going to qualify this. I'm going to put the athlete in quotes. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I was thinking about this guy when his name popped back into the news yesterday, and it dawned on me, I don't think there has ever been a athlete, quote, quote, air quotes, who has ever been more important and more impactful on his, quote, quote, sport hmm. than Hulk Hogan, <laughs> who was banned from the WWE because of a, he made a, um, a, a racial epithet on a home video that got out, and they finally, after three years in the wilderness, said, okay, we forgive you, come right, back. right. Is there any, and again, don't people don't need to call in. I understand that wrestling is not real, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Is there anybody, though, in the sports slash sports entertainment world who has ever had the impact on his sport, to grow his sport, to hmm. make his sport become a big thing than Hulk Hogan? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I recently watched the um, documentary on Andre the Giant, and Hulk Hogan was really... Uh, a huge fan, pardon the pun, of Andre because he kind of set the tone for what wrestling was and how it should be, and, and everyone respected Andre. But I think when you when you talk about pandemonium, um, you know, exhilaration from a fan standpoint, a guy who really turned the sport on its ear and and really made it, I think, what it is today. I mean, there there was wrestling circuits, you know, around the United States and in Canada, very regionalized. Uh, And at the time where the Hulkster came in and Hulkamania kind of exploded was when Vince McMahon took all these, you know, regional kind of wrestling associations and said, hey, we're going to go coast to coast. Uh, Obviously, the the birth of, you know, cable TV really uh, helped in that. But I think was he was the perfect quote-unquote athlete uh, of that time in that sport uh, with all what was going on with the U.S. and Russia at the time, capitalizing on that. Uh, I, I, MTV. I, yeah, MTV. I mean, Cindy Lauper was involved yeah. at the start then and a bunch of others. Like, exactly. They melded the thing. And he was, don't forget, he got his he really got noticed for the first time in Rocky Three. He was Thunderlips. Yes. And that, that was his. And then he took off. But, I, I mean, you can argue that, and I, I think it's a, you know, people will argue, and that's fine. Wayne Gretzky grew hockey in the South. Mm-hmm. There's no question of Wayne Gretzky's yes. impact. Uh, back, you go back to the 20s, Babe Ruth yeah. turned baseball into something that... A fan it, spectacle, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Some people will argue Mag- uh, Michael Jordan. I'm not sure because I think before Jordan you had Magic and you had yeah, Bird. Kareem, and before then you had Kareem yeah. and before then you had Wilt. And I mean, there's always been... Guys, I, I don't know that professional wrestling whether you love it or hate it i don't know that professional wrestling yeah blew up like it did and exists like it does without hulk hogan yeah you can go probably around the world and ask any wrestling or non-wrestling fan uh you know who's your favorite wrestler or can you name you know the all-time greatest wrestler and i think 95 or maybe even higher percent of the population that you ask is going to say hulk hogan because he's the most recognizable impactful megastar that the sport has ever had I think you can go beyond that. I think if you didn't even mention his name, if you just showed a picture. Yeah, who's this? They would, and they you would could go him. to countries in Africa, in Asia, in yeah. South America, and show there's a lot of people who would not know who Wayne Gretzky is. Yeah. There's a lot who wouldn't know who Babe Ruth is, but right. I bet you everybody would know who Hulk Hogan is. Would, uh, would the one comparable be Muhammad Ali? 
just because of the global impact that he had, he may not have been a, a sport transcender because there was guys before him and guys after that's, him. That's what I, I think Muhammad Ali, I mean, there's no question he's a bigger yeah. person. He's a bigger star. He's a bit more impactful. But he's not heads and tails over everybody else in the pool. There were Whereas guys, Hulk Rocky Marciano came yeah. before him. Rocky Marciano had turned boxing into a yeah. huge thing. Wrestling was nothing. I, I, I've heard stories of, of my great-grandmother going to wrestling at the local job. I never met her. Right. I've heard stories. She was about two foot six. <laughs> and I'm picturing this little tiny dingy gym and her sitting there yeah. screaming. I, I, but this was not what Hulk Hogan created. Mm-hmm. He, and, and all the other guys who came along, you talk about Andre the Giant or the Ultimate Warrior, all these guys, sure. Randy Macho Man Savage, who were big, they were never in the same. Right. I don't know that you take Hulk Hogan out of that, that any of them even become stars. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see the wrestling world now if Hulk never existed. I wonder if there was a, if there would have been another guy in that time and space that would have been uh, as effective in that character. I have my doubts. I'm not sure it would have happened. So with that being the case, when he makes a statement that was offensive, there's no question about it, is it obvious then that the WWE is eventually going to say come back because always i think so need, because they always do you. they yeah. always do whether it's uh andre the giant uh, whether it's rick flair whether it's i mean and those rick. guys didn't really do you know the, the the same things and or said the same things that hulk, that hulk did but I, I think wrestling has proven that they're always forgiving of their megastars uh you know if you're a guy who's just out to get his butt beaten uh, you're not going to be in the same obviously uh, conversation as uh, you know one of the, the, iron the, Mike the major Sharp. superstars <laughs> of I the WWE. Have, I have an Iron Mike Sharp t-shirt. Hamilton, I've seen those around. Canada's greatest yeah, athlete. Yeah. I've got the t-shirt at he home. He was he was one of my favorites. Him and George the Animal Steel, one of my two of my favorite wrestlers. George the Animal Steel, who was actually a uh, a high, a master's of education, a high school principal who has his high school Crazy. field in yeah. Michigan named after him for <laughs> you his never education. Whose name is eluding me right now? We've had him on the show a bunch of times. He's yeah. passed away recently, yeah. and Iron yeah. Mike Sharp passed away two or three years ago, sadly, mm-hmm. but. I say I sat there and I thought about this and I thought I can't think of anyone that has impacted financially, fame, exposure-wise their yeah. sport, again, sport in quotes, the way Hulk Hogan did. I don't know that I'm happy or feeling good that wrestling is the one <laughs> sport that has that, but yeah, there you go. Uh, Rick, we got to run. Thank you for your time. Thank Thanks you. For, anytime. Thanks for doing this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Now, I think most of us in our lifetime even though we may not all be rich, even though the chances of this happening are next to zero, I think most of us at one time or another have had the dream of owning a really amazing, wildly expensive, vastly over-horsepowered vehicle. One of those cars that, you know, every once in a while you're driving along the highway and somebody blows by you in a Lamborghini. I remember one year driving home from a job I was working at a different newspaper at the time, driving home in the middle of the night from Brantford in my Toyota Tercel that, honestly, a strong wind would have thrown the thing into reverse. I mean, it, it was a car with absolutely no juice. And all of a sudden, at, a, I don't know, 11, 12 o'clock, an orange Lamborghini pulls up beside me. He's passing me on the street, and I decide, of course, being a goofball, that I'm going to throw the foot down onto the floorboard and try and outrace the Lamborghini. So I push my Tercel all the way up to about 90 kilometers an hour, which is, uh, it started to vibrate and shake at that point. He looked at me 
and then touched his gas pedal, and within about five seconds, he was gone. I couldn't even see him. That's that's the kind of car that we dream about owning. You not seriously, right? Not none of us are actually going to go out and spend two, three, four hundred thousand dollars on a vehicle. But that's the kind of car that we've at least had our dream of. You see it go by, and you go, "Oh, I wonder what that would be like. I wonder what that would be like." Well, there's a guy in Virginia. Who, who had that dream, who had that dream and made that dream come true. They don't give his name, but he went out and spent $300,000 in U.S. coin. So what is that? Almost 400000 when you do the, in Canadian, when you do the translation. Bought himself a McLaren 720S. It's a $300,000 car. Have you ever seen a McLaren? These cars are amazing. They're basically race cars for the road. I have no idea how any McLaren stays under the speed limit that we have in the city here because you touch the gas pedal and you take flight. But anyway, this guy spends $300,000 to buy himself a McLaren 720S, a beautiful car, sleek black, shiny black, just a perfect vehicle. And here is why I'm raising this story today because for all of us out there, and this is probably not nice because we don't want to revel in others' misfortune. (laughs) But for all of us who will never have the dream, we all think, ah, those people. Well, this is one of those people. This guy who bought his McLaren, he bought it on Saturday. On Sunday, he was driving along the back streets of Virginia, and according to police, he was speeding a lot. (laughs) Really a lot. Apparently, he was testing the limits of his McLaren, which have some extreme limits. Well, the photo that comes along with this story tells pretty much the whole story because one day after taking possession of his $300,000 U.S. McLaren, there is a picture of his McLaren fully wrapped around a tree. (laughs) A complete write-off. And I shouldn't laugh at this guy because I got to believe he's at home somewhere weeping, not only because his car is gone and not only because... Can you imagine what his insurance is going to be when he goes to get his next policy? I mean, if you can afford a $300,000 McLaren, I'm guessing you probably don't worry about insurance, but his insurance may wipe him out next time. But more than anything, more than any of that stuff, and he, by the way, he didn't die. He had no serious injury. I guess they're built pretty well, even though they're very light, because he walked away with minor injuries, even though the car was just obliterated. But above the insurance, above the loss of a car, above everything else, the worst part about this story, I would think, would be how embarrassed, how humiliated would you be when you've told all your buddies you're getting a McLaren? You've gone out and shown them probably pictures of your McLaren. Because if you get one of these, you're not driving a McLaren subtly. You don't buy one of these cars not to be seen, do you? You buy one of these cars because you want people to notice you. And you've probably put it on Facebook or sent it on Twitter or texted to your buddies or said to them, hey, come by and check out the car. I'll pick you up. How humiliating must this guy, humiliated must this guy be when they say, hey, Bob, how's the car? And you have to say, it's not really a car anymore. <laughs> it's mostly spare parts at this point. I've got, I think I have a usable tire and maybe a rear view mirror that survived, but the rest of the car... Honestly, the picture of this car, this $300,000 high-velocity sports car, the picture of this car honestly looks like some giant person put it in their hand and crumpled it like aluminum foil. (laughs) There is nothing. 
There is nothing left of this guy's car. And worse than any of that, worse than the insurance, worse than the car itself, worse than the humiliation of telling your friends, I'm thinking if this guy's married and he convinced his wife to let him spend $300,000 on a stupid sports car and now he has to come home and go, uh, honey, <laughs> can I have the keys to your Volvo? <laughs> I, mine is, mine's not going to be drivable for a little while. It's in this, what happened here? Well, well, it's, um, it's going to be a meme because uh, I'm sure it's going to be out on the internet everywhere with people saying, look at that goofball and the car that he ruined the day after I knew someone once upon a time, not a, not a McLaren. I knew someone who took possession of their new car and was on the way home from the dealership and got T-boned. Not their fault, though, and they weren't doing anything stupid. That was horrible. They were upset. This guy, I mean, half of me feels really sorry for him, and the other half, I'm sorry, I guess there's a dark, evil, unfortunate, nasty part of me deep down inside that goes, I gotta laugh a little bit. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.